Welcome back to We Need to Talk with Dr. Darcy Sterling, where each week we unpack a juicy topic related to dating, relationships, and mental health. I'm Darcy Sterling. And I'm Ashton Tardiff. And today we are talking about exes. And everyone has a story to tell about an ex-partner. Good, bad, ugly, everything in between. And I feel like we all have a lot of questions about what to do with them, specifically in terms of communication. Should we? Shouldn't we? Also, what do we do if we're in any relationship? And I didn't really have to deal with these questions until my most recent ex. But my mm-hmm. first ex, that breakup was interesting because we ended on good terms. We agreed to stay friends. And that was purely my intention. And we did not unfollow each other on social media. And about a week after the breakup, a friend sends me a screenshot of his Twitter account. And he had been tweeting some very subtweets, if you will, tweets that were clearly about me and our like cryptic. Yep. Edging on a little bitter. And I thought that was interesting. So I get the screenshot and I go to his Twitter to see for myself. And mm-hmm. lo and behold, I have been blocked. Oh. So, so then my next instinct is to go to Instagram and see if I'm blocked there too. Have I been blocked across the board on all the all the socials or was it just that one? I... Uh-huh. And um, I had been. So you can imagine my confusion. So given that I was the dumper, I didn't feel it was appropriate for me to reach out and question this because everyone heals differently. And you know what? I didn't have anything else to say to him. If that's what he needed to do, fine. But then I quite literally, I never heard from him again, with the exception of a happy birthday text later that year. But looking back, I'm like, huh, that's kind of a clean break. Like, I didn't get any of those drunk texts. I miss you texts, nothing like that. And that to me was like, huh, this is kind of ideal in the sense of mm-hmm. a breakup. Yeah. So it's an interesting thing to think about exes. Every, it's different for literally everybody. And I know that you, Darcy, you're actually quite tight with a few of your exes, which I actually kind of love. If you can make it work. You're like, I love that for you. I'm not so sure about that for me. Yeah. I mean, at this point in my life, um, I don't think that there's a friendship with exes in my future. I'm not opposed, but who knows? But how did that happen for you? And like, did it take time or was it based on like the breakup itself? So it's weird. Um, All of my exes, with the exception of my ex-spouse and I are still in contact pretty much. I'm friends with pretty much all of them. And in thinking about that question, I was like, how did we wind up being friends? Because like, you never end a relationship for no reason. You end a relationship for a reason. And what I remembered was they all continued a very tight relationship with my mother which was weird. Like literally they would visit her all the time. One of them lived with her. Would they tell you that they were going to go visit her or they just popped up? No, they just, they felt welcome and warm. And my mother's house was kind of the house where like everyone gathered. And so when they would have new girlfriends, they'd bring the new girlfriends. 
oh. to the house to meet my mother. So while there was a disconnect, and I'm talking men mostly here, the women, we found our way to each other and became friends without my mother's assistance. <laughs> that was just a whole different chapter of my life. So in essence, I think that my my personal experiences are weird because I don't think most people remain friends with their exes, family members, but maybe they do. And I also think that that's another vague, blurry line that people aren't mm -hmm. sure. Is that okay? And and what right. I would argue is like, if that wasn't okay with me, I would have made that known to them. And I would have made that mm -hmm. known to my mom. I didn't want to take them away from my mom. Like my <laughs> mom, I didn't, like my mom didn't, have a bunch of friends. She didn't have a whole lot going on in her life. And so to the extent that they would visit her and enhance her happiness, I was happy for her, for her to have that, you know? That's very sweet of you. For any of my future exes who <laughs> probably won't listen to this, you're going to fall in love with Darcy and her wife, Steph, and you're going to want to come back to their house. But please don't until we've <laughs> talked about it. Like, I get it. I totally get it. Yeah. We'll we'll talk about that when we get to oh it. Oh my goodness! Um, no, I mean it, it was if it bothered me, I will tell you, there was one ex who was spending so much time. Okay, so this is going to come full circle about your mom. One of my exes spent so much time with my mom that I wasn't bringing my new boyfriend home because I didn't want to make my ex feel uncomfortable or my mom oh. feel uncomfortable. So I was hanging out with the ex outside of the house. And your mother sat me down. There's sheer difference. Your mom is, for everyone who doesn't, isn't related to us. My sister's two years older than me, Ashton's mom, and has very much been somewhat of a surrogate mom to me, uh, much to her dismay. She didn't volunteer for that. I kind of shoved her into that role in my life because I thought she walked on water, which she, she periodically does. And she mm -hmm. certainly did in the early years of our relationship. And she took me aside and said to me, if you want this to evolve into an adult relationship, you need to be able to bring him home, which means your ex-boyfriend has to move out of the house. He was still living there. He that's was still fair. living there. Let's be yes. real. That's fair. Sage advice. So I went to his family's house and asked for their help because I also knew that he wasn't like feeling great about his life. He was really wounded from the breakup. Like, I didn't want to take his support away. I didn't want to take my mom's support away. It was kind of a fucked up situation. Wow. But it but it was a little bit like that with every single guy, which, with every single breakup, which, you know, begs the question, the common denominator is me. What the hell's wrong with my boundaries that people seem to think that this is okay? But I honestly didn't have a problem with it, except in so much as it ran interference with the new person's ability to bond with the family. Mm -hmm. And that's what it did every single time. So your mom sat me down, bred me the, the rule of law, and I followed her advice. And then things shifted and was able to bring, you know, the current boyfriend home. And yeah, mm -hmm. we all know how that worked out. Well, that became my <laughs> ex-husband. <laughs> um, well, that kind of leads into a great question that I actually did struggle with in my most recent relationship. And it was like, what do you do when you're in a new relationship, but your partner's ex is still a part of their life? And I personally dealt with a lot of discomfort around this with my last boyfriend because they were still very, oh my God, like they were still so emotionally connected for a very fair reason. There was, you know, something going on in the family that he was privy to. 
and kind of felt an obligation to be there emotionally for them. But it was, it was really so confusing. Really, he was really close the family. to his ex-girlfriend's mom, right? Who had a chronic illness, a terminal illness. Yeah. And he, he, he had lived with them, I think, during COVID. But what made it so difficult for me personally was that I didn't know any of this information until three months into us dating. So mm. whenever I was trying to have the conversation about, you know, tell me about your last relationship, it was like I could have asked him to read me his social security number and all of his deepest, darkest traumas. Like he boarded up like I'd never seen before. So I said, ooh, maybe it was a bad breakup. But yeah, so I was very uncomfortable. And when he did tell me, it created very much a sense of secrecy because I didn't understand why it took him so long to tell me. I'm a very easy person to talk to, I like to think. I tried to make him feel safe. But once he had told me, it became clear to me like how much that she was reaching out. And mm -hmm. I really, really struggled with if I was being reasonable in my feelings about yeah. the situation and versus being unreasonable. So because you guys were in a brand new relationship brand new. and he was still very much connected to his ex's family yeah. and supporting his ex and the family because he had become a family member. And so your yeah. conundrum was, you know, am I comfortable with this? Do I get to vote in where my right. comfort lies? What's reasonable and what's not reasonable? What, what did I tell you? I don't remember. You know what? I don't remember either. I'm going to be honest. And that, but that just goes to show you like how emotionally triggered I was whenever her name would pop up on his phone because we would be hanging out and I would see her FaceTiming him. And then he would not ever answer when he was with me. And he would always try to say, like, I'm always happy to talk about this with you. There are no romantic feelings there. I think I remember. Correct me if I'm wrong. I think you, it took several conversations for you to understand the, relationship that he had to his ex-girlfriend mm -hmm. and that he had to his ex-girlfriend's family and particularly with the mom. And when you finally got all that intel and shared it with me, I know that the first thing I asked was like, has he given you any reason to believe that he's not trustworthy? And the answer was no. And I felt that this was a critical time in, you know, at your age, people in their twenties experiencing death is a thankfully, a very rare thing that people have to confront. Mm -hmm. And I thought it was really important that he get to show up for her in the way that he needed to so that he didn't have regrets. And I think that that was my advice. My advice was let him show up for her and he'll yeah. thank you for the rest of his life. Which I ultimately like I did. And I, I don't regret that at all. And he was so immensely grateful. And it was a huge like bonding moment for us after. But God, was it just so painful. Also, like I was actively falling in love for the first time. Like that is so scary in and of itself. Tell so, me why it was painful. As an anxiously attached person, knowing that your, your boyfriend, your partner, who you are falling in love with, is actively communicating on a very emotional level with their ex and then going to see them and their family, it really opened the floodgates of possibilities in my mind. Like, I literally think I had to self-medicate that weekend in terms of being with myself <laughs> 
and trying to distract myself with things that made me happy, like watching old movies, ordering my favorite food. Like I literally was in such turmoil, imagining the possibilities that could happen because who wouldn't? I mean, we hadn't built a level of trust that was unshakable yet. Um, I, I understand that. I do understand that. I would argue or offer a counter definition of trust, which is to say this. I I married for many years. I think it's been 14. I'm really bad with numbers in my memory these days. I think it's been 14 years we've been married. And I work with my wife. And we work from home. And when we didn't work from home, we shared a practice, an office space. So we were in the same space there. It didn't matter that whether we're home or at work, we've always had just a wall separating us. And I can tell you that I can't promise you she's never cheated on me. I can't promise you she's never lied to me. I can't tell you with 100% certainty that she, where she is every second of the day, because I don't have a tracking device on her, you'll be happy to hear. <laughs> when I think about trust, I think about being able to trust myself to tolerate whatever comes up to be able to be resilient, handle it, manage it, and heal from it. My definition of trust is not predicated on being able to predict your future actions. My definition of trust is really about being able to trust myself that I've done enough due diligence early on in the relationship to determine that the person is trustworthy, which is to say there is a period of discovery where we're where we're getting to know, know the person and we're confirming that, you know, they're they're showing up when they say they're going to show up. The things that they tell us about their life bears truth when we get to meet their friends and their family. At a certain point, and I would argue it's like two, three months in, you make a decision to trust. It's not yeah. like they've built up this watertight capacity between the two of you that you know that they're your ride or die. You don't know that early on. Yeah. You don't know that early on. You make a decision to trust. And then until or unless they show you evidence to the contrary, you keep rolling with that. And so, but I know that the whole topic of trust can be really tricky. And people often feel like trust needs to be built in the beginning. And I would argue you start out with the benefit of the doubt, ideally, mm -hmm. because that's a big barrier of entry for somebody to have to earn your trust. That because yeah, for each person that's very different. That that's a long runway for some people, mm -hmm. and people become demoralized. Partners become demoralized, and they just give up. So I would argue that the definition of trust that I try to follow is the one that I just told you. Which you know, I did reach a point in that relationship where I chose to trust him and believe that no matter what happened, we were going to work it out, and I was going to be okay, and he was going to be okay, and. Well, episode uh, one kind of broke down <laughs> that that did not happen. In fact, the trust was completely shattered with a cannonball. Um, but I don't regret not trusting him because I could have been really miserable that whole relationship. And I wasn't because I chose to trust in our relationship and him. And not going to lie, I am. I don't have trust issues, but I definitely am more on alert now because of my experience. But the thing is, Ashton, say, 
Here's the thing. If somebody is going to cheat on you, you can't build a fence high enough to stop them. You might as well enjoy the fucking relationship. You might as well, because you're just going to torture the two of you if you're on Mm -hmm. alert and you're looking for red flags left and right. Red flags, when they appear, you're pretty cognizant. You're going to notice. I don't think Mm -hmm. you have to be on high alert for them. Because again, that just reinforces the anxious attachment style. And what we want to do in in healing from that is to do some self-soothing and, you know, have an internal dialogue with yourself, reminding yourself that like, it's impossible to know if somebody's going to cheat or not, unless they Mm -hmm. have a history of doing it to you. And then I would argue history is a really good indicator of what you should expect in the future. Yeah. So if they've not done it to you and if they, if you've asked the question, Hey, have you ever cheated on anybody? That's one of the questions I ask in my assessments with people. Mm, interesting. And again, the fact that somebody may have been a cheater doesn't mean that they can't turn around, mm-hmm. says the cheater in past relationships <laughs> right here. So let me ask. So I'm in a new relationship. Theoretically, I'm not currently. But if I am and the person I'm dating tells me that they are still in contact with their ex, are there questions that I should be asking them to understand the dynamics of that? Right, whether or not that's a red flag, yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, I think it's easier to ask yourself that question about your exes than it is to ever get enough information from your current partner to be able to determine whether or not that's a problem. I would argue that over time, it's going to become known to you. It's an easier question to ask, like, how do you know if you can be friends with your ex? Well, how do you know? Were you the breaker upper or were you on the receiving end of being broken up with? Right. Usually I like the person who is on the receiving end of the breakup to make that decision because they're the person who's most likely to need the time to heal from that. Mm -hmm. And then if you no longer have feelings for your ex, except that you miss them as a friend, which is a very valid thing, Mm -hmm. and you don't believe that they have feelings for you, and you're not in a new relationship that they could potentially threaten, I see no reason why you can't be friends with an ex. You want to be friends with an ex when you're both pretty much healed. I also Mm -hmm. like people to break up when they're pretty grounded and not jacked up and not furious with each other, because then you're not going to do it with a level of dignity that the relationship really deserves. Right. But how do you know if you're healed or in a good enough place to even have this conversation with an ex or initiate kind of a friendly starting point? Well, you have to ask yourself if you still have feelings. Do I still have feelings for this person? If the answer is yes, then being, being friends with them, unless you're hoping for a sequel, it's not a good idea because you're But sometimes... You like don't even know if you still have feelings for someone until you're like looking at them straight in the face for the first time after God knows how long, or you're communicating with them again because it's comfortable and it's familiar. That's, totally, that's fair. And then at that point, you course correct. So if you mm-hmm. look them in the eye and your heart skips a beat, you have to ask yourself, is this going to get in the way of my current relationship? Is this going to stop me from dating? Am I likely to go back to this person? And you also want to make sure that their relationship with their new person is not in jeopardy because of your friendship. Yeah, absolutely. Like, 
after what I went through, if I knew that my ex was dating someone and they knew that we were in touch and they were uncomfortable, I would 1000% respect that boundary because Mm -hmm. first of all, I'm a girl's girl. I have been made uncomfortable by this situation before so viscerally that I would never want to put somebody else through that. So that's a really good point. Um, And and recall, like, you know, that there are certain members of whom almost want to say are the pool of my exes. It's not that big, but there's probably six people in it. Um, But the females, I waited until I knew they were okay to be friends with me. Mm -hmm. I missed them deeply. You know, these become like your best friends. But yet, if I was the one who initiated the breakup, I didn't want to be selfish and initiate a friendship when I knew that they still had feelings for me and they'd probably be holding out, not only because I was in a new relationship that would make, I don't even know if that would have made Steph uncomfortable. I don't think it would have. I think she would have been okay with it, but I didn't want to drag them through the mud. So like one of them, I waited, I think 10 years to become friends with. Well, I was just about to ask you, is there like a normal quote unquote timeline of when it's acceptable to like have this healthy friendship? Because Listen, my my first breakup was four years ago. If he were to reach out tomorrow and say, hey, I would love to catch up. I'd be like, you know what? I'll make some time for you. Sure. Yeah, of course. Because your heart is healed from that relationship. Right, right. So it's really just based on our healing cycle versus an actual duration of time. And also asking yourself, what is my intention here? Is there any mm. chance that I still have feelings for the person? First and foremost, yeah. don't lie to yourself. If you mm. still have feelings for the person, you need to be honest with yourself so that at least you can navigate that when you're back in contact with the ex. By and large, I think there should be a break after a breakup. People who try to be friends right away almost never succeed. They almost Mm -hmm. never succeed. We need a break. We need to heal. We need to reset and remind ourselves who we were before we were in that relationship. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Which, you know, (laughs) let's say that we've decided that, you know, we want to reach out to our ex again. And we're maybe not sure if we are completely over them or if they're completely over us. Do you think it's ever, you know, possible to get back with your ex in a positive way? Like, what are your thoughts about getting back together with an ex? Because so many people are like, I leave the dead in the cemetery. Like, we we leave. That's gone. Like, I'm gone. What are your thoughts on that? Because I hear so many differing opinions on getting back together with your ex. And overwhelmingly, it's like, girl, don't do it don't you do it. And then other people are like, I got back together with my ex and we were so happy. Keep in mind that the caveat here is that you're, you're asking somebody who is a hopeless romantic and believes in love and believes that with maturity and emotional intelligence and relationship skills, we can make just about any relationship work provided the person is like operating within the bare minimum of the agreement that comes with being in a monogamous relationship, if that's what you're in, mm-hmm. i.e. making sure that the person is not somebody who's cheated on you in the past. I don't, 
I absolutely believe that we can get back with our exes, but I would say the following. Have you asked yourself, why did we break up? What was my contribution to that breakup? What have I got, what have I done in the span since we were together to fix whatever responsibility role I had in the breakup so that I don't do my thing again? Mm -hmm. And then has the other person done anything to change the aspects of them? Or do you come back to it saying, you know what? I thought that you hit a lot of deal breakers on my list. And honestly, I'm older now. I'm more mature now. I get that relationships are the Olympics of compromise. And yeah, I've changed my expectations. I want to do this again. So I think that there's some questions that we have to ask ourselves before getting back with an ex. And certainly some questions that we want to discuss with our ex. Very Absolutely. transparently. Because you don't want the same outcome. That, that, that for sure we don't want. We don't no. want the same outcome. No, which I feel like, and I could be wrong because I've never done this and I don't plan to ever do this, but let me not, you know, say this too prematurely, but I feel like a lot of people get back with their exes because they miss the familiarity. They miss that person or they miss Absolutely. one huge aspect of them. They're like, I could live with, you know, a few of the other things that aren't getting ticked off my list. Mm -hmm. Um and I personally think that's a recipe for disaster because current comfort is not long-term a recipe for success. Like, in my opinion, like, I I would never go back to an ex if things hadn't changed between both of us, like what you just said. Interesting. You know, I, I, I don't think I could ever. And on the flip side, and we'll get to the hookups in a second, that's, <laughs> that's a lot more juicy than can we just be friends. And I like that conversation yeah. much more than this one. But I will also say it makes so much sense to me that people feel a sense of familiarity with their exes and it feels like a safe mm -hmm. place, a soft place to land. Like we all want that. Yeah. We all want that. And I will tell you, some of my best friends are exes. They really are. Because look, I know what I'm dealing with for sure. I know all their worst traits because yeah. I lived with them, not even living with them cohabitation wise. I, you see it all when you're, when you're the partner. And then you make an assessment for yourself. Like, can I live with this as a friendship in a friendship? And the answer is yes. Cause I don't have to live with him or her. You know, I can tolerate a lot more in a friend than I can in a partner. Right. And you don't have to put up with as much like, because they, they leave, they, leave. they go home. They come for my holidays. They like the food. I don't blame them. The Sterling House has good food on the holidays. I mean, you're you're great also. You and Steph are great also. Let's not not just say it's all about the food here. Um, the holidays Thank are great you. at their house. Let's just say. Um, okay, so hookups. Because <laughs> I think this is more heavily talked about than getting back with an ex in a relationship because it's more common in terms of missing an ex, but it's just going to be a hookup. Like, you know, it's just going to be a hookup. It's going to be a comfort thing. It's going to be maybe I'm drunk, you're drunk, or I just really need to be with somebody right now. Mm -hmm. um, what are your thoughts on this? Because I it think happens a lot. Not to me. I just want to make that abundantly clear. Thank Asking you for, for a friend. Got it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that hooking up can be 
wonderful with an X because you know what you're going to get. But I would say, I, you're surprised, but because I'm all about like, going fun. But wait, I mean, I would <laughs> make sure that neither one of you has feelings for the other. Because that, but if you wouldn't be to, doing it if you didn't have feelings. I don't know. Especially as a woman, ladies, we know that we can walk into a bar and like basically cough on somebody and take somebody home. Like, I'm sorry. A girl is not going back to her ex for joy and fun. You don't think? No. There are feelings there. There You're missing something or you are in need of something that you cannot find in somebody else. Or you want casual sex without the judgment. And you know what you're going to get from this person because you know who they are. So okay, I would maybe, say maybe. I'm persuading you a little bit. I'm not I trying to talk it. you into it. I'm not trying to talk you into it. Oh, it, it would never saying, happen. I'm just saying I don't want to say never, but no. I think it depends. Like everything. I think it's contingent on the extent to which you have feelings. If you are mm-hmm. completely neutral and if you feel the other person is complete, and I would argue, don't go off your feelings. Ask the other person, can you hook up without catching feelings? I would straight up ask that question. I know my, my, no my one's doing that. My communication style causes you to cringe. I understand that, but I would definitely, dude, I wouldn't want the guilt. I wouldn't want the guilt. See, because I wouldn't be the one catching feelings. It would be the other person. Not because <laughs> because I can, because some people can have casual sex. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah. And so, and I know it's a rare quality. You know, women tend to bond through orgasm. I get that. But the truth of the matter is you want to make sure that the person that you're hooking up with, that you're just not like, you don't want to just use a person. Like and, a sex and, toy? And disregard their feelings because they they're a human being with feelings and you don't want to hurt them. And you want to make it clear, look, if I hook up with you, we're not getting back. Like if that's your position, unless you're vague, unless you're unsure. And then I would say if you're unsure, don't hook up with an ex. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Because let's be real. If you're unsure and then you have sex. And you just really liked the sex. You could be conflating. I really miss having sex with this person versus I actually miss this person. And great sex will not keep a relationship alive forever. Not forever. in a way that it should. In a way that it should. Okay. Well, yeah. For all the girls listening, girls, gays, guys. Well, especially girls, because you pointed this out. Um, if you're going to go have sex with your ex, and he he's lucky enough to give you an orgasm, or you're lucky enough to have one with a straight man, um, <laughs> you, you might catch you might catch more feelings. But, you know, is that that's kind of a win-lose situation. I don't think we should be looking for a win-lose situation because the guilt and the mess and the drama that ensues in the wake of that. So go have sex. Just don't have an orgasm. Got it. If you're a girl. That's not what I meant, but we can move on to the next question. I'm kidding. Okay. Okay. So my next question is, how do you feel about people holding on to things from past relationships? And I want to give you my my situation, because especially in my last relationship, the most recent, I had a shit ton of stuff to toss away. So there's obviously buckets here. There are their belongings that they didn't already take back that you happen to find. Sentimental value. So cards they wrote you, any love letters, anything super sentimental that is literally from them personally, handwritten, made, whatever. And then gifts. More like gifts I want to say non-sentimental gifts. So for example, when 
me and my last ex broke up. I am the type of person where I need to purge every physical reminder of you from my home. So I literally threw away all of the lovely things he wrote me, the letters, all of that, because I could not look at them and I did not want to look at them again. However, because I I didn't want to go back there. There was no need for me to go back there. And just knowing they were there felt heavy. Mm-hmm. I could put them under my bed. I could do that. Also, the most valuable and sentimental things that he said to me and that were in those letters, I have in my mind. Like, I won't forget oh. them. I do. I'm a nice. word person. I like words of validation is one of my my big love languages. But anyways, one thing I did not throw away was a wonderful pair of shoes that he got me for Christmas, mostly because I wear them all the time and I love them. And I'm able to get enough joy from those shoes without having to think of him. But what are your your thoughts on on people holding on to things? I guess more in the sense that they know there's an emotional attachment to that object. Is that advised? I think that we're all entitled to our history and every ex is part of our history. And I think that everybody is entitled to keep whatever they want from their past. I've had people write into Ask Dr. Darcy, which is a blog I've had for 13 or 14 years, and say to me that their exes required that they unfollow and block all their exes or that their partners require that they unfollow and block all their exes and wipe them out of their phone, you know, delete them everywhere, remove all the pictures and throw out all that memorabilia. And I think that that is real. I think that's really horseshit. Everyone is entitled to their past. If the ex is not intruding on the current relationship, it's none of your business if you're the new partner. And I think that in terms of gauging that for yourself, you understood, Ashton, that having those pieces, those things of his, were going to continue to stir your emotions. And it was not easy for you to end that relationship. So I can understand why you tossed them and I'm grateful that you didn't put them in a box and send them to my house and ask me to store them for you. So thank you. Because I don't have storage. No, (laughs) no, no. Storage here. Okay. Honestly, that was also part of the issue here. I was like, okay, there's a lot. Yeah. There's no three closets in the whole place. They can't hang on to shit. Listen, if I have to like fight over keeping more clothes or a pair of shoes versus my ex's um letters and cards to me, they're going. They're going. So it's not indicative of someone still having feelings for an ex if they are holding on to past memorabilia from the relationship. Is that what you're saying? It's more a personal choice? I think it's both. I think a person who's sentimental hangs on to sentimental things from all of their history. Mm, That's a good point. Yeah. Like an emotional museum. (laughs) Kind of. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That made that I, I could see, I could understand that. I'm a hyper, I can be hyper sentimental when it comes to handwritten things or things that people go out of their way to make for me. So I think knowing that, I didn't want to give it any more power by holding on to it because I was just needing to purge and just start over with my life. So based on all of the things that we just discussed, I want to take it a step further. And I can't relate to this, but I know you can and many other people listening can. How do these rules change if they do when it's an X? Versus an ex-spouse. Mm. So we're talking divorce. The, the, the big D here. 
Well, I certainly can't draw from my own experience because uh, <laughs> that was a negative experience and I don't have a positive experience personally. In reflecting on what the clients I've worked with from throughout the years, if there's children involved, you get it up for the kids if you have mm -hmm. a modicum of emotional intelligence and there wasn't abuse in the relationship. And even if there was neglect, you know, when you have kids, that becomes a priority. Your feelings are less of a priority. You're called upon to do what's in your children's best interest. I love hearing stories of ex-spouses who can sit at the same table for the sake of their kids. Mm. Now, it gets complicated when we're talking about divvying up family members and friends because there's such a... Mer like. Marriage is the merger and acquisition of all time in the personal world. That's what it is. It's M&A. So in a divorce, the people leave with the people that they came with. And you have to respect that. So to the extent that people had relationships that you then became friends with, mm -hmm. you know, they, they came to you with best friends who became your best friends. I would argue that it's the right thing to do to let the person who came in with those friends leave with those friends. Yeah. It, and I that's think it's super generous. Hard. It's the generous thing to do. Same thing with family members. I literally had to tell my family, I was like, guys. So the same thing that happened with the ex and the ex, the two guys, happened when I went from an ex to Steph. Because then Steph couldn't come around the family because my ex was coming around the family. I'm seeing yeah. a pattern here that I should really <laughs> examine. But there's not going to be another ex, so it doesn't even matter. Point of the matter is, is that in the you know when it came to that relationship, this current relationship that I'm in, I literally had to say to my family, I need to be able to bring my girlfriend around. I can't do that if what's his name is here every Sunday. Mm -hmm. So can you carve out a little space? Can we timeshare you? And, you know, I'm sure I had to sledgehammer them over the head and say, it's not cool that he's still coaching my godson's soccer games. So Ugh. somebody needs to switch things up here. Sometimes family doesn't know. They don't know what to do. They're they're playing mm -hmm. Switzerland. They're just trying to be diplomatic. They love the person that you brought in. Right. Their they lives. get attached too. They were of family course. until they legally weren't. Like that right. is not something easy to just let go of. So gently ask them for tell them what your needs are and gently ask for it and and hope that they respect it. Mm -hmm. If you recall the next time you were at my house, there was not a picture of him anywhere. I had to tell my mother for years, can we get yeah. rid of my wedding photos? Like, I'm not married, and I'm now dating a woman. So can we <laughs> stop with the wedding photos? There's been a few really, changes in my life. <laughs> they're, they're really awkward on the holidays. Oh, my God. Yeah, I do. I do recall that, and I appreciate that because I remember walking into your home literally the night of the the eventual breakup and seeing a photo of him. No, not only him and I, but him. And I and my two best friends like in the world. And it was like a dagger straight into my heart all over again, twisting, turning, hemorrhaging, blood. Yeah. So, yeah, maybe people who are parents, if you're listening to this, let go of your child's ex if if they're uncomfortable. Or maybe talk to them about it. Be like, hey, how are you feeling that like I still talk to this person? 
Right. Moreover, how do you feel about there being photos about uh, of them throughout the house? Okay, that I think should be removed until at least the breakup has had the dust has settled because no one needs that. No one. We've got Instagram. Go look on Instagram. Take it off the wall. Take it off. I the agree. Wall. But always best to err on the side of communicating. Just ask the person, how do you feel about this? What do you want? Yeah. Wait, speaking of photos, I just thought of a really important question. Do you think that people should be deleting photos of their ex from their Instagram when they break up? And I think this is more relevant to like my my age group, because when I first start dating somebody and we follow each other on Instagram and I look at your feed and I'm seeing a bunch of photos of you and your ex, it's kind of just like, oh, that's fine. Like one or two is fine. But like, I I think I'm still trying to also personally figure out how I feel about this. Right. And that's fair. Yeah. Look, you can archive them. You can put them that. in a subfolder. Yep. There's, ways of, there's ways of organizing your old pictures so that like your memories don't flash back in front of you. I, I always think mm-hmm. like um, this is the anniversary of this memory that should come with a trigger alert because usually Absolutely. I don't want to remember. I don't want to remember that memory usually. Yeah. And we need I need to give a huge shout out to Apple because the camera memories were almost responsible for sending me into a mental institution during my breakup because for some reason it knew, or I don't know, I don't know what was going on with their algorithm here, but every single day I would open my phone and I had the widget like on the top of your screen where it would like pull photos from your Mm -hmm. camera roll. Every single godforsaken day I would wake up and there would be a photo of me and my ex or better yet, a photo of just his face of like a photo I took. And I literally like I deleted the whole widget. It's gone because I also didn't want to go through my camera roll through two years of a relationship and have to move every photo to some place where I wouldn't see them or delete them. Like, yeah, oh heads God. up, heads up to my tech bros. You need to make an app where we can, yes. where it will face recognize a yes. person or a pet that is no longer with us and mm-hmm. put them in a subfolder just by identifying the one picture. That's for a business podcast that this is not. I'm so telling anyway. you, yeah, <laughs> that would be very lucrative for a lot of people. Um, I basically almost hired my friend, my best friend to do it for me. I was like, I just can't handle this anymore. Um So that was all very informative. And for anyone listening who has an ex that they're maybe thinking about texting this weekend or getting back in touch with, please sit yourself down, get out a pen and paper or the notes app and ask yourself why you are feeling that way. Why do you want to broke up and why you broke up in the first place? Reflect Mm -hmm. on that. It's a really important exercise to do. When clients come to me following a breakup, one of the most important things that I ask them to do is part of the processing of that breakup, why didn't it work out? What did you see at the beginning that changed over time? What part of it was your side of the street? What are you going to do to change that moving forward so A, you're not attracted to people like that in the future, Mm -hmm. and B, you don't attract people like that in the future? And if you do, you can determine that earlier on in the relationship and rule them out. You need to figure that out. You need to do an audit of the last relationship. All right, girls, you heard her. Get out your pens, your paper, make it happen before you hit send. Thank you, Ashton. You want to read us out? We need to talk with Dr. Darcy Sterling as a Sterling Standard production. This episode was produced by Darcy Sterling and Vicky Vergalina. Editing by Bart Miguel and Stephanie Sterling. 
Our theme music is by Trending Music. Special thanks to Emma Budiaki, Emma Martins, and Amanda Cristiani. If you like today's show, please follow us by searching We Need to Talk with Dr. Darcy Sterling. Because apparently, we picked a name that about several other podcasts use. So remember, we need to talk with who? Dr. Darcy Sterling. If you have a question you'd like us to answer on a future episode, please send us an email to darcy at askdrdarcy.com. We'll be back on Tuesday with another episode packed with relationships and dating hacks you won't get anywhere else. Thank you, Ashton. Thank you.